All right, we're going to dismiss the kids to make their way on back to, I usually say children's church, but they're getting ready for the program back there. I'm not sure if that involves costumes or cookies or what, but uh, they can all make their way back. Some are sparkly, some are jingling. Do appreciate all those that work with our youth around here. And uh, we have a midweek club that's very, very important to the raising of the Calvary kids. And also on Sundays, it's wonderful to be able to um, join together and to see them directed toward Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to bow one more time, and I'm going to share just a challenge from God's Word. Heavenly Father, as we look to you, it is a blessing to be able to open your Word. And we'd ask that right now you would allow us to uh, have a clearer picture of your heart We know that when Jesus Christ came, there are some things that we really, really enjoy talking about and celebrating, and those are appropriate. And there are other things that are side effects. There are other lessons that Christ taught that might have been hard lessons to hear, but they're so important for us for our short time here in this world. And so, Father, I would ask that you would allow us to be blessed as we uh, open your word now. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you if you have a Bible to turn to two different places, and I'm going to read some lengthy sections in just a little bit. Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to come to in a little while, Matthew 25. Once you find Matthew 25, mark that with a bulletin or with a ribbon in your Bible, and then uh, turn to Luke chapter 7 after that. So we're going to start in Luke 7, and then we're going to go to Matthew 25, and I'm trying to prepare you for that. Now, I'm going to ask you to use your imagination as we get going, and uh, some of you are good at using your imagination, Other of you, others of you, maybe not so good. This is one that some of you could run wild with, possibly, with this request. I want to ask you, if you had the opportunity to care for Jesus as a babysitter, can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you could go back in the Bible days, and you're going to have overnight, two days and one night to care for baby Jesus. How good of a job do you think you would do? Let me give you an age. Let's say he's two years old. Do you guys think Jesus went through the terrible twos? You think so? Maybe. I don't know. It could be. If Jesus is two and you get to babysit him, is that something that you think would be a neat opportunity? Something you might travel back in time for? Let me bring us to today, and let me give you this scenario. Let me say that you're preparing to host Jesus in your home for three days, and you've got one month to prepare. All right, I'm trying to read your women's faces and getting all the cobwebs out of the corners, no offense intended, trying to get just the right meal planned. Maybe you're going to have just the right kind of company come in. Maybe you're going to brush up on some of Jesus' teachings so you can talk intelligently with Him. If you had some time to prepare to meet with Jesus Christ, how do you think you'd do? An encounter with God the Son. Today we're going to talk about an encounter with God the Son and then also a future encounter with God the Son. We're going to see some individuals that did pretty good. 
we're going to see others that were shocked at how poorly they actually did. How do you think you would do? How do you think you would treat Jesus Christ? You see, I have it in my head, my simple mind, that if I were going to encounter Jesus Christ, whether as a child or as an adult, I think I know how I would act. I think I know what I would say. I think I know what would be important to Him. And so I would try to focus on that. But I want to suggest to you today that you might be surprised. You might be surprised with the encounter that you would have with Jesus Christ. We're going to look first in Luke chapter 7. I asked you to turn there, but I didn't turn there myself. Luke chapter 7. And when we, when we look in Luke chapter 7, we find an individual who had the opportunity to have Jesus accept his invitation. So many people wanted Jesus' time, and we actually have a fellow in Luke chapter 7 who uh, Jesus accepted his invitation to come to his home. I'm going to start reading in verse number 36, and I want you to keep in mind that question that I asked you earlier, how do you think you would do with treating Jesus Christ if you had him in your home? Because here in Luke 7, we have a gentleman who has him in his home. We're going to find a good example and a bad example here, but it's setting us up for what we want to talk about. Starting in verse 36 of Luke 7, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, this was a harlot, a woman of the city who was a sinner, When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then, turning to the woman, He said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, 
are forgiven. It's not that tough of a question when I ask you which one did well when they had an encounter with Jesus Christ. It was the harlot. It was the woman who was the one who had sinned much. And the Pharisee who's making the observations, he's taking everything in, he's looking, he's making judgments. Did you catch this? He's making judgments as to how God should act. I don't want you to rush too quickly to judge because I think you and I fall into that category sometimes. We will stand and look at what God is doing, look at how God is working, look at what God allows, and we will judge God. Certainly, if God was a good God, He would, you fill in the blank. If God was a God of love, He would never allow, you fill in the blank. Unfortunately, Too many of us stand in a place where we are judging and not enough of us fall in a place where we are mourning within ourselves because not a one of us deserves to be in the presence of a holy, almighty God. And yet that's what He has allowed. He has made a way. I want you to remember that question. How would you plan for an encounter with Jesus? How do you think you would treat Jesus Christ himself? Well, now some of you are thinking, is he telling me I've got to you know, grow long hair so I can wash Jesus' feet now? No, that's not what we're getting at here. That's not the idea. But I think as we look at a few more passages, hopefully you'll have a better idea of how God wants you to treat his son. God the Father wants you to treat God the Son. Before we go to Matthew 25, you can go and turn over there if you like. Before we go to Matthew 25, I want to reference, we're not going to read uh, the passage, but I want to reference one area that will help us to know what Jesus wants us to do when we have an encounter with Him. Because many of you will remember the familiar story before Christ went to the cross, He met in a room to uh, celebrate uh, the Passover. And as they were there, It was customary when they had dirty feet for them to have their feet washed. We just saw a reference to that in Luke 7. But when Jesus met with his disciples, do you remember who did the feet washing in that time? Who was it? It was Jesus. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And then when he finished washing their feet, some tried to get out of it. Do you remember that? And he said, no, no, no. I have to wash your feet. And I want you to remember Jesus's response when he was done he did not say now i have washed all of your feet i want you guys to get in line i want you to come over now and wash my feet that's fair that's what's right that is not what jesus said can you remember what jesus said that was he said i have done this as an example because i want you to be willing to stoop down to empty yourself of pride, to empty yourself of anything you think that you are. And I want you to take the lowest form of a servant, and I want you to wash the feet of others. He said, I've done this as an example, so you will do it to others. 
we are going to come to a passage that is a little more Christmassy, and when the kids come out, it's going to be much more Christmassy than that. I'm going to read a passage that's a bit more Christmassy in just a little bit. But before I get there, I want to connect this idea. I want to help prepare you for an encounter with Jesus Christ. We're in Matthew 25. This is not a Christmassy passage. In fact, this is one of the most alarming passages in the Scriptures. When we find this teaching, we find people that were prepared for an encounter with Jesus, and we find others that were shocked because they were not prepared at all. In fact, when they have opportunity to say something, they protest. They said, well, if we would have known that was Jesus, we would have acted differently. And Christ gives a teaching for us today, for those who are followers of Him, of what we need to be looking for. I'm going to start reading in verse 31 of Matthew 25 and go down to the end of the chapter. It's a bit lengthy, but it's very, very colorful. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. So understand, this is future tense. Verse 32. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then it gets very colorful. Look at these descriptions. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Some people got it. Look at verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he, will, then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And so we find here two different groups. One group is a group that's placed their faith in Jesus Christ. 
at a casual reading of this text, you might walk away with the idea that you can do some good things and make it to heaven. That's not the teaching here. The teaching here is there are already two groups that are in place. One group of people that have put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. They have understood the message that Jesus Christ came to earth. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. And then not only did he die, but he came back from the dead. That's why we celebrate Easter. Those who have understood this message of salvation... These are the ones that Jesus speaks to first in this group. And the other ones are ones who did not have their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. The kindness that we find described is the description of the followers of Jesus Christ and how they were supposed to conduct themselves for the short time they had here in this world. It's a reflection of what God had done. And so if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, my challenge to you is this. You are going to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I don't don't want you to think about getting your house clean. I don't want you to think about straightening yourself up and putting on your best outfit. I don't want you to think about your favorite Bible verse that you might quote. Jesus Christ has told us what you have done to the least of these, you've done to me. Jesus Christ said, the poor you will always have with you. And that's a fact. There will always be opportunity. And and so to share. As I was thinking through this and thinking through how this might apply to our lives, maybe you'll see somebody who's very, very hard um, on their luck, if I can use that expression, somebody who's just having a difficult time that you can help out. But my mind went to the coworker who's at lunch, sitting by himself, and nobody talks to them, maybe because they're a little bit different my mind went right to the student at the school or at college who hasn't connected well with somebody. These are the individuals that need to see the love of God shown to them. These are, I think, the least of these. When we come to encountering Jesus Christ, I'm asking you to be ready to encounter Him by how you treat others. And it's going to mean you for your, can I say it again? For your short time here in this world, it means that you empty yourself of the things that are important to you, the things that are helpful to you, the things that you want and that you love. You get rid of those in order to help somebody else. Here's the Christmassy verse for the day. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, are you catching that? Can you imagine Jesus up in heaven? The form of God, pretty good stuff. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
And so what can you do this Christmas season? I want to challenge you that it's quite possible that some of you, maybe even on this very day, might encounter Jesus. You might find someone who is in need. You might find someone who you can help. Maybe it would be with finances. Maybe it would be with time. Maybe it would be with your talents. Jesus Christ expects those who are following Him to show incredible love and kindness and generosity to the least of these is how He said it. Now, I don't know everybody here today. If it is that you're not sure that you're a follower of Christ, you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation, that's step number one for you. Today can be the day where you ask God to forgive you of your sins and make you a child of His. And the Bible says that's all you have to do. And He will make you His son or His daughter. What can you do? You can share the kindness and care that you would show to Jesus. Some of you had a thought come to your mind when I said, what would you do if you had an encounter with Jesus? That's the kind of love and care He wants you to show to those around you that are in need. I, uh, I'm not sure what the social etiquette is on saving birthday cards, Christmas cards, and greeting cards. Different folks have different opinions on that. Some of you, does anybody here have a greeting card or birthday card longer than 20 years? Raise your hand if you have a card more than 20 years. All right, I see some hands going up. All right, that's a lot, of, that's a lot. okay. It must be a very special card to you. I don't keep cards that long. No offense to you, all right, um, if you give me a card. But I have this one, and um, I wanted to share a story with you about a friend of mine named Mike, and I was shocked at something Mike said to me. Mike lives in my neighborhood, and I try to be a friendly neighbor to all those in my neighborhood and take opportunity to talk with those uh, when I can, and so sometimes that takes a bit of time and, and um, a little bit of effort sometimes. I'm not good with names, and so I write down those names. I think I've got 27 of my neighbor's names typed into my phone somewhere so I can remember it. I was talking with Mike, who seems like a wonderful man not too long ago, and as I was talking with him, he's always very kind and very cordial, and he has a beautiful dog that we get to see every once in a while when he walks by our house. I love taking opportunity to talk to him and, and to pet his dog. And as I was talking to him a while back about the neighborhood, he just shared with me this. And take this in the right way that I'm saying it, please. I said, well, in the neighborhood here, and I was talking about so-and-so down there and so-and-so down there. And here's what Mike said. He said, no. He said, really, you're the only person in the neighborhood that's ever shown me any friendliness, is what he said. And it cut me to the quick. And I thought, well, maybe he's exaggerating. Perhaps it is that in this nice community of people, others would show kindness and others would show friendliness. Everybody's cordial, right? How are you? Merry Christmas. Everybody's cordial. And Mike sent me a card at one point, and I'm going to read the entire card to you. It won't take that long. It says, a special thank you. Every kindness has a part in bringing joy to someone's heart. And he calls me pastor. I'm kind of the neighborhood pastor in my neighborhood. It's sometimes, it's sometimes easy to forget that there are nice people out there doing nice things for others. Thanks for being such a special reminder. 
I can't begin to express my thanks for the thoughtful things you've done for me. I appreciate each and every act, kind act. Thanks, Mike. P.S. The German chocolate cake was delicious, is what he says there. I didn't make the cake. I was shocked to find out how many people go through this world without a kind word. I'm shocked to see how many people don't have someone take time to visit with them and speak. We live in such a culture where it is so easy to be me-focused, to go inside the doors and close the doors and just do what I want to do. And if I want to talk to somebody, then I'll go out and talk to them. Listen to me, brothers and sisters, if I can say it a fourth time, you have such a short time in this world. And can I suggest to you that God wants you to have a Jesus encounter with people around you. I look at this guy and I think he's the nicest guy. We went out and had breakfast or had lunch together and we talked and, and I got his background and I got his, he's a follower of Jesus Christ. He's not in church today. And I think to myself, well, I'm sure that he's talking to all kinds of people. Do you understand there are so many people that need you to share a kind word with them? There are so many people that need you to show the kindness and love that you only know because of what God has done for you. And it doesn't get you into heaven, brothers and sisters. That's not what it does. What happens is, as we stand before Jesus and the group is divided in two, And if you're a follower of Christ, He's already given your description. You're to feed those that are hungry. Give water to those that are thirsty. Go visit those that are in prison. Help those that are in need. Sit down next to someone who's all by themselves with no one to talk to. When someone pushes you away, you try again. Because they need the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus has said what you do to the least of these, you've done to Him. And so I would ask you, are you prepared for an encounter with Jesus today? It's coming. There might be someone here in this room that needs you, just to talk to them, just to look in their eyes, just to shake their hand and hold it just for a second longer than normal. How wonderful that God allows us to show glory to Him and have encounters with God when we connect with others. This is what brings glory to God our Father. Be faithful to do this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, accept Him even during this next few moments.